Well, if you've been with us, you know we've been in this series, and we've been looking at the issue of, of what is a Jesus follower. What is, in other words, what is a disciple of Christ, someone who follows him? Uh, we've learned some things about the word Christian and that Christian was never really used by Jesus and his followers. It was a derogatory term that was used by some others. And so today we're going to go a little bit deeper into this issue about what is, what is a disciple of Christ? What does, it mean to, what does it mean to follow him? What does it mean to have a relationship with him? Uh, Jesus said in John chapter 5, if you have your Bibles, iPads, iPhones, droids, nooks, candles, uh, candles, Kindles, whatever, or if you use candles so you can see, whatever. Uh, you know, the reason I say that is because we've had so many people that come to our church and they say, you know, uh, we, we read our Bible on our phone or our iPad or our, our droid or, or whatever, and, but we're worried about turning them on during the service. Someone might think we're texting or someone might think we're playing computer games or whatever. And so I just want to set you at ease that however you read Scripture, it doesn't matter to us whether you, use, whether you use paper or whether you use some electronic device. What matters to us is that you, you read Scripture. And so whatever media you use this morning, if you could turn two places in Scripture, um, uh, Matthew chapter 11, and then we'll end up in John chapter 14. But while you're turning there, let me just read you this verse. Jesus was saying this in John chapter 5, verse 39 and 40. And he was talking to the Pharisees. He was talking to some people, just religious people. And he says, you search the scriptures because you think that in them that you have eternal life. And it is they that bear witness about me. So, so Jesus is saying this about scripture. Scripture is God revealing himself to man. That's why Scripture is so important. That's why it's so important to know Scripture. That's why it's so important to study Scripture and to read Scripture. Because at the basic level, Scripture is this. Scripture is God revealing himself to men and women so that we know who God is. We know how he loves. We know how he forgives. We know how he accepts. That we know him. And then Jesus goes on and says, yet you refuse to come to me. So Jesus starts saying, you know what? It's about a relationship. It is about a relation. You read the scriptures, you study the scriptures because it's some religious thing that you do, yet you refuse to have a relationship with me. See, the deal about this Jesus follower, this deal about being a follower of Christ or disciple of Christ, it's about this issue of relationship. And he goes on, yet you refuse to come to me so that you may have what? So that you may have life. Now listen, I'm going to talk to you some things about the issue of a Christian life. And out of Matthew chapter 11, we're going to pull some, some principles as, as we always do. But you see, we can build some false beliefs. We can build some false belief in the Christian life. And, and I still think we should use that term. We just need to understand that it's just broadly defined and it can mean so many different things to so many different people. But we need to know for us what it means to be a disciple of Christ, what it means to be a follower of his. And so we can build some false beliefs that can make the Christian life difficult. To where we can build some false beliefs to where we come into Christianity or we come into to a relationship with him. And we think, oh no, so now my goal is what? My goal is to live for God. And so it's all about doing the do's and don't doing the don'ts. Or do not doing the don'ts, or I think that's improper English right there. <laughs> no, I know it is. And so we think the Christian life is all about the rules and regulations and, and we have our list of the do's and we have our list of the don'ts. And the problem is that you can go to different churches and you can get different rules, right? You can get a different list of the do's and you can get a different list of the things that you're not supposed to do. And see, all of a sudden, if we're not careful, 
the focus of the Christian life can be this issue. Well, I'm just going to live for God. But look at Matthew chapter 11, verse 28 and 30. Here's, here's what the scripture says. So he, Jesus starts off and says, come to me. So here again, he refers back to John chapter 5 and other places. It's about a relationship, right? Come to me. I, I desire to have a relationship with you. I desire to have intimacy. And so he kind of defines that out. And he says, so, so who does he want to come to him? All who labor, all who are heavy laden. And so, it's, it, so you know what? When I came back to him, I, I met Christ when I was 16. And I've told you my story uh, in childhood growing up. I was probably in church only five times that, that I can remember. Every time that we visited a church, you know, we, we always considered ourselves a member of a church because that's just what you were supposed to do. And so, but, but I can only remember five times, and because we always bi- visited a Baptist church in our area, uh, first-time visitors, you always had to wear a red ribbon. Some of you out of that tradition, you know what I'm talking about, right? I mean, it was their goal to embarrass the first-time visitors as much as possible while you were there. And so, right, and so some of them, you had to stand up during the service, and so they acknowledge you, so they could greet you. And then I remember those days, and nobody would, like, greet you. Remember how? That's awkward. When they says, okay, if you see someone with a red ribbon, you greet them. And so, anyway, I'm processing a lot of stuff, but out loud. (laughs) And so I grew up thinking that, you know what, every time you go to church, you just wear a ribbon. You know, I, I didn't know a lot. I mean, fact is, we never went. I mean, we, only five times, never midweek. And, and you know the Lord's Supper table, it, and so on it, it said, do this in remembrance of me. I remember as a kid sitting there and saying, do what? That meant nothing. To, I mean, I, have very li- I had very little church background. And I met him when I was 16 in a, in a church and got baptized. And so, so I was good to go, right? That's it. You're just good to go because it's all about heaven. And then a little bit after college, my, during college, and man, my life, I crashed and, and burned. And, and I wondered if the church would even accept me back. And I still remember going back to church for the first time. And so I get this part. Uh, come to me all who labor and heavy laden. And I walked back into church and I was heavy laden with a lot of consequences that a life that spiraled out of control brought. A lot of consequences of some poor decisions. A lot of guilt and a lot of shame. And so I get, I understand. And so but Jesus lays out this prescription of the Christian life and so he comes to me all who are laden, heavy laden, and and then here's a promise. So let me tell you, if you're here this morning and you're heavy laden, you're burdened, you're struggling, look at this promise. I'll give you rest. Not your religious activity. Not a pastor. See, there's a lot of people, they look at the pastor to give them something. The pastor needs to give me rest. Not the church. Unbelievable promise. Unbelievable intimacy. You laboring, you're struggling. Who gives you rest? He'll give you rest. Then he says some things like, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. So that's in a relationship, right? For I am gentle and lowly in heart. And so religious people will tell you he's anything but lowly and he's anything but, but uh, gentle. 
And then here again, he says, and it, you'll find rest. Not physical rest. Listen, anybody can give you physical rest. Just sleep longer. He gives you rest that only he can give you rest in. And I'll give you rest for your soul. I'll give you rest in a place where nobody else can give you rest. I'll give you rest for your very soul. For, so here we go. For, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. But for some, the Christian life seems anything but easy and light. can seem like a burden because for some they hear a lot of people say things God gave only his best for you so you need to give your best for him and because of what he paid for you you need to pay him back and, and uh, you need to do all the do's and, and don't do any of the don'ts and, and you know what that gives a burden right for some in the Christian life And I'm going to show you in his word how the reason that is is because we get the priorities wrong and we get the order wrong. But for some, especially in religious circles, they don't get what a disciple of Christ is, what it means to be a follower of Christ. The Christian life for them is hard. And it's a and it's a burden. Because if you measure your Christian life by your obedience, by doing the do's and not doing the don'ts, your obedience will always show you you don't measure up. I mean, that's what the Old Testament taught us with the law, right? I mean, Jesus said, and they, they said in the Old Testament that you know what the law is perfect, and and um, and. And none of us are perfect. None of us can live up to the law. The law helps us understand where there's sin. The law helps us understand that we need Christ. And so for some, if we're not careful, we can, we can get this messed up or we can get this out of order. And the Christian life does not seem easy. And the Christian life does not seem light. And so let me just give you just three principles this morning. The first one and two of them, we're going to go deeper. We touched on these. I touched on these last week. But as as we're looking at this issue of believing in Jesus, because it moves from believing in Jesus to becoming his disciple. Listen, you cannot believe in Jesus without being his disciple. You just cannot do that. And it's hard to tell where one stops and the other one starts. And so the overall goal, remember, a little bit of review, but the overall goal is what? The overall goal is to live for God. That's what the scripture tells us, and so, so uh, or the overall goal, I'm sorry, is to know God. And so that's what we looked at last week, and so, so when I started looking at this issue, spiritual maturity in some of the churches that we visited, some churches that I've been a part of, spiritual maturity was seen in what? Seen in activity. With the spiritual mature people, they did a lot of things for God. I mean, they did all of the right things, and it seemed like they never did any of the wrong things. In church, it seemed like they had their whole life together, that they did all of the right things, and they never did any of the wrong things. And so all of a sudden, you, if you're not careful, you build these false beliefs that believe that spiritual maturity is what? Is found in activity. 
But here's what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 11. Here's what Jesus said in John chapter 14 and in John chapter 5. In fact, this is what Jesus said all the way through the scriptures. In fact, is the Old Testament messianic prophecies, the prophecies about Jesus, spoke about this issue as well. That Jesus desires what? Jesus desires intimacy, not activity. See, we get it, we get it backwards. We think it's about activity brings intimacy. No, what Jesus desires is what? Jesus desires a relationship with you. Jesus desires a relationship with you more than any of us can desire a relationship with him because he loves us at that level. See, here's the deal. Jesus desires intimacy, a relationship with us, and then guess what? Then activity flows out of that. Our activity flows out of the intimacy and the relationship with us. He brought me into a relationship. He brings you into a relationship with himself. Not so I and not so you can do something for him, but so that I can know him and that he might do something through me. Now listen, that may seem simple to you, but theologically that is huge. That is a game changer in the Christian life. That he brings you into a relationship with you, not so you can live for him, not so you can do something for him, but he brings you into a relationship with him so you have intimacy, so you have a relationship with him, and then he begins to flow out of you, and he does something through you. Listen, let me tell you something. If the Christian life is a burden, if it is heavy for you, is it difficult for you? Oh, ministry, if ministry is difficult for you, if ministry is a burden, if ministry is hard, you you know why that is? Because you're doing it in your strength and not his. And I'm telling you, I've lived through burnout. I have pastored through burnout. I know the barrenness of a busy life to where you're doing a lot of things for God, but you're just empty. Because it's all about activity. In ministry. In church. Whenever it seems like a burden, whenever it seems like anything but light, anything but easy, you know why? Because you're doing it in your flesh. The greatest type of ministry that will ever be done in your life or my life is when ministry is done as an overflow of what he is doing in your life. It's an overflow of the relationship that you have with him. See, the goal... That God desires is for us to have a relationship with him. In Hosea, in the Old Testament, chapter 6, verse 3, his scripture says, Let us know, let us press on to what? Let us press on to know the Lord. Let us pursue him. Let us chase after him. Let us make that relationship, that intimacy, a priority. He, his going out is sure as the dawn. In other words, he says, you know why you press into him? Because he is dependable. Just as the way that we depend on the sun coming up every morning, we don't even doubt that it's... Uh, I mean, anyone doubt that tomorrow the sun's not going to come up? No. I mean, we have confidence, right, that tomorrow the sun will rise. The same confidence that we have that the sun will rise, we should have in him. And then he goes on and says... And he will come to us. What a promise. I mean, you, you just look. Let us know he will come to us. Even in the Old Testament, it talked about this relationship. It talked about this intimacy. He comes to us as the showers, as the spring rains that water the earth. In other words, you know what he's saying? He, he, he refreshes us. Listen, the, the reason we don't know God more 
It's because we do not pursue him. We do not pursue a relationship with him. We don't spend time with him. Listen, let me tell you something. Lack of knowledge of God is one of the primary failings of people. Because here's the deal. The more I know him, the more I love him, and the more I love him, his life flows out of me. You know what we have? We have a knowledge problem. You know the reason you don't trust him? You don't know him. You don't really know him. You're, you're either getting information about him secondhand from someone else. There's not intimate knowledge to where you're discovering about him and you're learning about him. And he goes on in Hosea 6, 6. Fact is, Jesus quoted the Old Testament, this Old Testament verse, against some of his opponents, some of the Pharisees, some of the religious people that were going through the motions thinking that I could earn my way to heaven or it was, it was about this empty relation, religion without a relationship with him. And he says, for here's what I desire. I desire steadfast love and not sacrifice. The knowledge of God. Why would he say that? I desire the knowledge of God because the more you know him, the more you love him. And the more you love him, the more his life flows out of you. And you begin looking more and more like him. That's why Jesus says, you know how they know you're my disciple? You know how they know? By the way that you love one another. The way you don't judge one another, you don't criticize one another, you don't talk about one another, and you accept one another, and you forgive one another. And you understand that we're all messed up, and we all have weaknesses, and you're not going around point, pointing out everybody's weaknesses and everybody's struggle. The reason you don't like this person, the reason you don't like that person, that all of a sudden, you know how he said they will know that you love him, or that you know that they're his disciple? It's not by the church that you attend, not where you go on the weekends. He said, you know how they'll know? How? By the way you know him. And that's why he says, I desire. He wasn't saying he doesn't like worship, and he doesn't say he doesn't want us to do things for him. But what he was saying is this, that he desires the knowledge of God. He desires for us to know him. And I'm telling you, when you know him, and you have this relationship with him, and it flows out of you. If not, you know what happens? The older we get, the more crankier and bitter and angry and judgmental we get, right? Because we got years of hurt and years of disappointment and years of things that go on. And we can't get rid of that stuff. And Jesus said, the way they know you're my disciple, that you love one of us. So, so the overall goal, remember, is is to know him. And then here's the daily goal, because spend time with him. I just participated in and, and, uh, and then got the results, and I was shocked at some of the results, but uh, a, a research firm just took and, and surveyed all the pastors who would respond in the U.S. And, and on, a, on a quick survey, and it was, it was anonymous, and so, so they did that, so they'd get, try to get honest answers. And, and here's what... You, a lot of stuff in the survey shocked me, but here's the one that really shocked me. Only 50% of pastors daily spend time with God. No wonder our churches are so anemic. No wonder our churches are declining and there's no life and there's no passion and there's no excitement. No wonder so many of our churches are dead. 50%. Fifty percent of pastors that stand up and proclaim, thus saith the Lord, every weekend. 
Don't spend time with him. And the goal, and so, so Jesus said, watch this, let's just move here. So John chapter 14, we're going to walk through that slowly together. And we're just going to try to grab this, focus. John chapter 14, 15, Jesus makes a statement, if you love me, what? If you love me, you'll keep my commandments. Now listen, if you've gotten this backwards, if you think it's all about activity, if you think it's all about, uh, if you think about it, it's, it's about activity, then you know what, the way you may hear that if you love me, you better keep my commandments. If you love me, you better prove it. If you really love me, you better what? You better do the do's. And you better not do any of the don'ts. If you really love me, you see, this is where we can get it all messed up to where the Christian life gives us a burden. Because we think it's all about activity. Jesus is, no, wait a minute, it's about intimacy. It's about the more that you know me, the more that you love me. And guess what? The more that you love me, obedience flows out of your life. See, religious people make the focus the commandments. Religious people make the focus, right, the do's and the don'ts. Can I tell you something? That is not the focus of the Christian life. The focus of the Christian life is what? Intimacy with him. The focus of the Christian life is intimacy with him. Guess what? Your obedience, your obedience is the fruit of the Christian life. Your obedience is not the focus. Your obedience is the fruit. That's what Jesus said. Jesus said, how will they know me? Well, how, how you love one another? He also talked about, you know what? People will be able to see what? Your, your fruit. You know what the fruit was? Obedience. But it's not the focus. See, see, the more you know him, the more you love him, the more you love him, obedience just kind of flows out of, out of your life. I mean, remember that, you remember that special teacher you had in school? Hopefully you had one that impacted your life. I, I had a teacher that impacted my life, and, and I hated the subject she taught until I met her. And I knew she loved me. And I knew she cared about the students. And, and there was a connection. And I wanted A's because of my relationship with her. Right? You could have a teacher that may be in your favorite subject and you did not like them for whatever reason or you did not think they cared about you and it could no longer be your favorite subject. I'm telling you, the focus is not obedience, it's the fruit. You know what our focus is? It's intimacy with Him. It is a relationship with Him. See, this may sound kind of weird for a preacher to say, but we do not have an obedience problem. Okay, let's go a little deeper. You don't have an obedience problem. You know what you have? You have a love problem. Because your obedience flows out of a love relationship with him. See, my obedience and your obedience is in direct proportion of your love for him of your intimacy with him. The reason that we do not 
love God more? It's because we really don't know Him. It's not because we don't know God at all. It is not even because we don't love Him. But the more we love Him is to direct the portion of the depths that we know Him. Because the more that we know Him, the more that we love Him, and the more that we love Him, His life begins to flow out of us. Intimacy. Uh, Karen and I were, were, were married 28 years ago, about. And uh, you know, many of you could give the same testimony. I'm not unique in this, and Karen and I aren't unique in this. And, uh, but I love Karen more today than I did when we got married 28 years ago. I mean, fact is, you know, I remember being engaged, and you couldn't wait for that day, and couldn't wait to get married, and that whole deal. And I'm thinking, you know what? There's no way I could love her any more than I love her right now. What a lie. It's just a false belief, right? I mean, my love for her doesn't even compare to the love that I had for her when we first got married. You know why? Because we've spent time together. I mean, we've gone through good times and we've gone through difficult times. We've gone through great celebrations of life. We've gone through, through difficulties of life. We've gone through good seasons. We've gone through difficult seasons. But the reason that my, you know, I know her more today than I did then. That's why I love her more. I mean, I, I now know what kind of shampoo she uses. I know what kind of shoes she likes. You know, I know those details, right? I mean, I know what brings her happiness. I know what brings her joy. I also know what brings her hurt and pain, disappointment. I know what makes her laugh. I know what makes her cry. I mean, I know some of her, her, her dreams and, and, and stuff like that. I mean, the reason that I love her more is because I know her. And you know what? In another 28 years, my love for her then will not even compare to my love for her today. Why? Because we've done 28 more years with each other and we've, we've spent time together and we've gotten to know each other. Now listen, what if, what if Karen and I are dating and so I come to her and I say, oh, okay. I says, you know what? I'd really, really like to marry you. But here's the deal. I'm only going to see you one hour every Sunday. I'm only going to spend time, you know what, I'll only show up, I'll only spend one hour every Sunday, and oh, wait a minute. Now, if the Broncos are playing, I probably won't show up. You know, or if it's the playoffs, it's the Super Bowl, something like that. You know, I've got my priorities, or you know what, I may go through a season that, you know what, I won't show up for long periods of time because I'm telling you, life is going to get busy, priorities are going to come in. You know, I'm going to get busy in life, and I got work, and I got stress, and I got all these other priorities may not show up. Oh, and you know what, if it's snowing, there's no way because I don't, I'll drive to work in the snow, but I am not driving to see you in the snow. And so, you know, so I, I'm, I'm going to tell you, I'm going to do the very best I can to show up one hour every Sunday. You know what? During the week, you're probably never going to hear from me. Uh, occasionally, you know what? I might get lonely or whatever and may show up. But, but other than that, you're probably never going to hear from me unless, unless there's a crisis in my life, your phone's going to ring off the hook. I mean, I'm going to call you, I'm going to text you, I'm going to email you. I'm, you know what? I'm going to pursue you. I will, I will go to your, your, where you work. I will go to where you, the gym. I'll go to where you hang out. I am, and you know what, Karen? If you don't answer me back, you know what I'm going to think? I'm going to think you don't love me. 
I'm going to think you're judging me, and I'm thinking you're going to want me unhappy, and you want me miserable, and you don't want me happy, and you don't even care for me. Now, would you accept an offer like that? I mean, like your crazy meter would be pegged at this point, right? Because why? Because that's not a relationship. Then why do we do that with God? Why do we do that with Him? Why do we come into a relationship with Him and we say, you know what, God, I want a relationship with you. I may not be able to make it through consistently through a service. I may not make it through consistently week in and week out. You know what? God, I want a relationship with you, but I'm pretty busy here. But if I go through a crisis, man, I'm going to pursue you. You don't answer me back, I'm going to think you're judging me. I'm going to think you don't like me. Or you don't want the best for me. And we, and we wonder why we struggle in the Christian life. We wonder why it's a burden and not light. You know why it is? Because we, we don't know him. And we don't spend time. You know, I've told you, one of the most difficult things in my life is trying to convince people to daily read the Scriptures. I get questions all the time. What should I do about this? How should I handle this? And, and I come back and say, you know what? Get into the Word. What else? What else? Got anything else? Man, I don't like reading. I don't like reading the Bible. I don't have time. I got priorities. I got all this other stuff. Got anything else? No, I don't got anything. That's it. You know why? Because it's God revealing himself to men and women. Because the more that you know him, the more that you love him, and the more that you love him, his life begins to flow out of you. Listen, we do not have an obedience problem. You know what we have? We have a love problem. We have a knowledge problem. People really do not know. Even people that consider themselves God followers and Christians, they really do not know God. Because they just don't have time. Here's the last one. It's just true. We spend time with him when we see the need. Yeah, it's really true. We spend time with him when we see the need. For those that spend time with him daily, you know why they spend time with him daily? They see the need. This is just what the scripture teaches us. The fact is, Jesus said this. Jesus says... Apart from me, remember this, John chapter 14 or 15, somewhere in there. <laughs> Jesus said, uh, Jesus, apart from me, you can do what? Apart from me, you can do nothing. You know the problem is, we don't believe he meant that. We don't believe he really said that. You know what we think he said? Apart from me, you just can't do the big stuff. I mean, apart from me, you, you can do the ordinary stuff, you can do the little stuff. See, here's what we think. We think Jesus really said, apart from me, you just can't do the big stuff. You know how I know that? Because big stuff comes into your life, you pull near him. That's why you spend time with him when you see a need. Jesus said what? Jesus, apart from me, you can what? You can do nothing. That's why a lot of us will leave our houses and say, God, we got it today. Why? It's just an ordinary day. It's not big stuff. We spend time with him when we see a need. 
See, pride says, God, I don't need you. There's only one group of people that Scripture says God opposes. You want to be in the people group that God opposes? I don't. You know what the Scripture says? God opposes who? God opposes the proud. God opposes the proud person and says, I do not need you. I can handle the daily stuff. I can handle the ordinary stuff. I really, really don't need you. But, oh, man, when the big stuff comes, when there's a crisis, that's when I need you. And your phone is going to, I will pursue you. I will hunt you down. See, Scripture says, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the who. Because that's the group I want to be a part of. But But God gives grace to who? The humble. The person that has humility. The person that says, I do need him. The person that says, I do need the life journal. I do need to open up his word. I do need to spend time with him daily. Then I need to read his word and, and get a translation that, that I can connect with, whether it's a new living translation that I use a lot of times just in my, my devotional time, or maybe it's a different translation to where I get into his word and I begin reading scripture for myself. See, we started off with this, and John fourteen fifteen says... If you love me, you will keep my commandments. Let's just walk through this together as we close. Verse 21, watch this. Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, it is he that loves me. That sounds like Jesus just saying the same thing, but repackaging that. But what? Let's read on. Now, uh, and then he goes on and he says, And he who loves me will what? Will be loved by my Father, and I will love him. And what? This is huge. And I will manifest myself to him. You know, he's saying, I will reveal myself to him. I will make myself known to him. How does he do that? Through his word. His word is revealing himself to you. Man, quit looking in life for a feeling and look for a a scripture. Look for a word from him. Man, there are so many people that says, well, I just follow my heart. Do you know what? God never told you to follow your heart. You know what he told you to do with your heart? Guard your heart. Protect your heart. Because your heart will lie to you. Your heart will deceive you. Your heart will mislead you. And you will live life emotionally. And you'll make all kinds of crummy decisions. Because your heart, who is deceitful, will deceive you. And so this word manifest means he will reveal himself to you through his word. He will make himself known to you. Uh, Verse 23, and Jesus answered them, If anyone loves me, he will keep He will keep my word. So he just keeps working through this principle. And my father will love him. And watch this. And we, that's so important. That's the Trinity. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. That's the and he says, and we will come to him what? And we will make our home in him. We will dwell in him. The more that we know him, the more that we love him, and the more that we love him, the more that his life flows out of us. And the Christian life is not a burden. It is easy and it is light because we have learned from him and we have learned about him. Verse 31, watch this. But I do as the Father has commanded me so that the world may know what? Then the world may know that that I love the Father. How will they know that you are mine? And the way that you love one another. Jesus did exactly as the Father told him. I'm telling you, 
your daily time with God. You know, you know the problem with that whole deal? We just think it's a good option. Or we think it's only for the fanatics or the Bible scholars. And sure, when you start out reading Scripture, it is kind of awkward, and there are a lot of things we don't understand. But you know what? When Karen and I started in marriage, it was kind of difficult because we were getting to know one another. See, the problem is we think spending daily time with him is just a good option, but I'm telling you, that's the Christian life. That apart from him, we can do nothing. Not the small stuff, not the ordinary stuff, not the big stuff. If it seems heavy, a burden, difficult, a love problem because the more we know him the more we love him and the more we love him his life flows out of us and so many times we walk around in life and we're asking everybody else to give us the answers and tell us what to do it's right here in his word would you bow your heads with me and just close your eyes this morning we started out reading Matthew chapter 11. I just want to read that, those two verses just one more time over you. The reason we ask for your heads bowed and eyes closed, just so there's not any distractions. That's the only reason. So that we can just focus in on the message and that we can realize how God wants us to respond or, or maybe be able to hear from him. So here's what the scripture says. And maybe this morning you just need, need to make this personal and then You need to respond to him as he would have you respond. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden. So if that is you this morning, I've got great news for you. If you're carrying a weight this morning, if you're carrying a burden, if you're carrying a struggle, it just should be like fresh rain over you. And I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. It is something that you have to do. And you do that in intimacy. You do that in a relationship. And learn from me. Again, you do that by spending, you learn from him by spending time with him. For I am gentle. In lowly in heart. And you will find rest, not just for your bodies, not just physical rest. You can find that in this world. I will give you rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden it's light 
Let me ask you this morning, how does God want you to respond to his message? Does he want you to enter into a relationship with him? Follow him in believer's baptism, which we'll be baptizing on the 1st of May. Does he want you to make a commitment and say, I'm going to learn how to spend daily time with you and I want to know you.